For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Houston Rockets have added two key players to their roster ahead of their final playoff push. Welcome to another edition of Believe in the Rockets. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, please remember to subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. After what was an emotional yet fun and remarkable All-Star weekend, the Houston Rockets will return back to action on Thursday inside the brand new Chase Arena in San Francisco. The last time the Rockets took the court, Russell Westbrook and James Harden combined for a total of 78 points as the Rockets came away victorious in a 116-105 victory over the Boston Celtics. As of right now, the Rockets currently sit as the fifth seed with a 34-20 record in the Western Conference. And what I would like to discuss today is ways the Rockets can improve their standings heading into the playoffs especially when you start considering possible matchups in the first, second, and even third round if they make it that far, what is best for the Rockets and why it is extremely important for them to finish out these last remaining games on a positive, strong note. But before getting into that topic, I would like to discuss some of the most recent moves the Rockets made to their roster this past week. Every single season, Daryl Morey finds some kind of way to strike gold in the buyout market. During the 2014-15 season, Daryl Morey signed Josh Smith and Corey Brewer, two players who played a valuable role in helping the Rockets reach the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 1997. Two years later, Daryl Morey signed Lou Williams, a guy in which played a valuable role in helping the Rockets reach the Western Conference Semifinals, and he would have continued his career in Houston if it wasn't for having the opportunity to trade for a Hall of Fame point guard in Chris Paul later that summer. Just last season, Maury whipped up what I consider to be his best move in the buyout market by signing Kenny Fareed. And although his relationship with the Rockets did not end on good terms, you cannot take away what Fareed did in the 25 games he played in Houston as he helped the Rockets reshape and revamp what was a disappointing season and helped them advance all the way to the second round of the playoffs. And although it is still too early to tell, you can possibly say that Maury struck gold in the buyout market once again. On Monday, ESPN reported that the Rockets came to terms with signing Damari Carroll and Jeff Green as they continue to not just double down, but triple down on their small ball play. Now, if you have been listening to this podcast or if you have been reading my work on the Dream Shake, it's no secret that I am not a big fan of the Rockets small ball approach. 
One, I do not believe the Houston Rockets should have traded Clint Capella. And two, if they were interested in signing or trading a player who can help create more floor spacing for the likes of Russell Westbrook, there were a few bigs on the market who can help meet their needs, i.e. one of the Morris twins. And the only reason why I felt that way was when you take a look at the route and the teams that the Rockets have to go through in order to at least reach the NBA Finals, they will have to go against some of the best big men in this league. Nikolai Jokic, Anthony Davis, even Rudy Gobert to a certain extent. And just so you guys know, I am not one of these journalists who will continue to push a narrative in order to make myself look good. Because ladies and gentlemen, when I am wrong about something, I will happily tell you I was wrong about it. And as of right now, I'm starting to second guess my original approach to the Rockets' commitment to small ball. When you take a look at their last four games, yes, the Rockets are sitting with a 2-2 and record. But at the end of the day, you're talking about a team who can easily be 3-1 and in their last four if it wasn't for that lucky buzzer beater shot by the Jazz. And yes, I know there was that awful 127-91 loss to the Phoenix Suns, but that was coming off a back-to-back game against the Los Angeles Lakers the night before. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but that's a schedule loss. That's one of those losses where you look at the schedule and be like, man, we have to not only play in L.A., but after that game, we have to travel to Phoenix. I don't care if they had Clint Capella, Shaquille O'Neal, or Will Chamberlain. There's no way the Rockets would have came away victorious in that schedule loss. But when you take a look at three of the last four games, I've actually liked what I have seen when it came to the Rockets and their commitment to small ball. And my biggest concern with this move was the defensive strategy for the Rockets moving forward. But with the addition of Robert Covington, playing alongside P.J. Tucker, even James Harden to a certain extent with his ability to play physical down on the low post, this ball club now has the opportunity to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, especially when you take into consideration that they have now added Damari Carroll and Jeff Green to this team. Both of those players give the Rockets not one, not two, not three, but four defensive players who can not only play physical down on the low post, but four players who can also guard the bounce out on the perimeter. And for a team who loves to switch a lot on the defensive side of the ball like the Rockets, this is going to be huge in the playoffs because no team in the NBA has the versatility to defend both the inside and the outside like the Rockets. You take a look at a team like the Utah Jazz. Yes, they are known as one of the best defensive teams in the league, and a large part of it is due to the presence of Rudy Gobert. He is, if not one of, the best rim protector in the game today. But Rudy Gobert cannot come out to the perimeter and defend the likes of a LeBron James, a James Harden, a Russell Westbrook, a Damian Lillard. He cannot do that because he's not quick enough. The same thing with their guards. Yes, Donovan Mitchell is starting to establish himself as one of the best perimeter defenders in this league. But if there's a switch and he finds himself down on the low post, trying to defend the likes of an Anthony Davis, a Nikolai Jokic, or even a Russell Westbrook just to keep it in Houston, In the words of Shaquille O'Neal, that's barbecue chicken all day long because he is not strong enough to keep those guys from scoring inside the paint. 
And although the Rockets do not have a big, the lack of the Jazz's versatility on the defensive end would keep Utah from advancing far in the playoffs, unlike the Rockets, who now has a better chance of advancing at least to the Western Conference Finals, especially due to the addition of Carroll and Green. Now, I'm not about to sit here and say that those two guys are about to come in and be the Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman of the Houston Rockets. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But when you have multiple guys who can defend the paint and the perimeter, you no longer have to worry about who's guarding who on the switch because, you know, it's not just the Houston Rockets. Nearly every team in the league switches a lot on the defensive end. If the Utah Jazz have the ball, and there is a switch on the defensive end. Now you have Robert Covington guarding Rudy Gobert and Damari Carroll guarding Donovan Mitchell. I have an extreme amount of faith that the Jazz will not score on that possession. And I hope you guys are not sitting here under the impression that I am overrating Carroll's defensive ability. But if you are, please go check out my latest article on the Dream Shake as I broke down Carroll's defensive versatility to defend both the inside and the outside on defense. I give one example where his perimeter defense forced Paul George into taking an elevated jump shot. Then in the next example I gave, showcased Carroll's ability to make it extremely uncomfortable down on the low post while guarding the likes of LeBron James. And I know I've been talking a lot about what both of these players bring to the table on the defensive end, but I have yet touched on the fact that both of these guys are solid three-point shooters. Jeff Green is shooting a career 34% from beyond the arc, while Damari Carroll is shooting 36% from three-point range. Not only are the Rockets adding two great defensive players, but they are also adding guys who will continue to open up the court for the Rockets to help the likes of Russell Westbrook and James Harden moving forward. So it's like back in 2018 when the Rockets had Trevor Ariza and Luke Bamute. They now have double that. They have two Trevor Arizas in the likes of P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington and two Luke Bamute, uh, a void that the Rockets have been trying to field ever since both of those guys left. Now they have not one, but two defensive three and D wings coming off the bench. Although they have yet to add size, I've liked what I've seen from the Rockets moving forward. This Damari Carroll, Jeff Green signing is going to be really, really good for the Rockets. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. Before moving on to our next topic, I just wanted to do a quick recap on the NBA All-Star Weekend. This was by far one of the best NBA All-Star games that I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to go as to say this was the best because there are a couple All-Star games I do believe stand out when it comes to the competitiveness and not only the competitiveness, but just watching it as a fan in general. You think of 2001 when Allen Iverson won MVP when he led the East from a, I believe it was a 15-point comeback to lead them to a win. Um, You take a look at 2003 when the West won in double overtime, a game in which that was possibly the only time in my life where I can honestly say I was mad at Kobe Bryant for something. Because that was Michael Jordan's last All-Star game, and he hit a shot 
over Sean Marion to put the East up by three with, I believe, five seconds left in the overtime game. And everyone is ecstatic. Everyone is is happy because this is Michael Jordan's farewell All-Star game. He hit the game-winning shot, and everyone knew he would have went out on top as the All-Star Games MVP. What does Brian do on the other end of the court? Draw a foul, goes to the line, hit all three free throws, and the West won. And not, and not only did the West win, Kevin Garnett ends up winning MVP that night. 2006 All-Star Game in Houston is another one that comes to mind because just like the Eastern Conference came back and won the game in 2001, they did it again in 2006. And me personally, I am not over that game only due to the fact that if the West would have held on to that lead, Tracy McGrady would have won All-Star Game MVP honors instead and went to LeBron James. Other than that, there were a couple All-Star games um, like 2011, 2012 that were very, very fun to watch. But overall, this was by far one of the most fun All-Star games that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like I said, I'm not going to say it was the best because the three games that I've named were arguably better than this. But at the end of the day, this game was fun. As you guys know, Team LeBron beat Team Giannis 157-155. And can I just say something real quick? Why does Giannis Antetokounmpo has to throw so many shots at James Harden? During the All-Star Game draft, he said he wanted a player who passed the ball and decided to take Kyle Lowry. Ladies and gentlemen, during the All-Star Game, James Harden recorded six assists while Kyle Lowry only had two. Not only that, during the, the fourth and final quarter when they had that target score of 24, Giannis said down the stretch that it was his goal to attack whoever James Harden was guarding. I'm going to need Giannis Antetokounmpo to have some kind of news flash because ever since 2017, James Harden has been very well on the defensive end. And his ability to guard the paint is one of the reasons why Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey became so confident and comfortable in their decision to play small ball. And you saw down the stretch of that game, James Harden was the reason why Team LeBron came away victorious due to his play on the defensive end. I don't know what's going on with Giannis. I mean, I could probably understand the hate if he would have lost the MVP last year, but he ended up beating James Harden for MVP. He's going to repeat for MVP. I, I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that at least 80% of basketball NBA fans have Giannis over James Harden in their rankings. I, 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 I truly do not understand you take a look at the what the last three games, Milwaukee has come out victorious against the Rockets. I, I, I just don't understand why Giannis has such a vendetta against James Harden. I truly don't understand it. But overall, in addition to the game, the whole entire All-Star week was really, really fun to watch. I do believe Aaron Gordon did get robbed. And I'm under the belief if you have some kind of relationship with any of the dunk contest contestants, please do not be a judge. 
because I do believe that Dwayne Wade did show favoritism in that dunk contest, and he should not have been a judge judging his former teammate. That's just me. Yes, I understand he is not the only person who gave Aaron Gordon a nine on his on his final dunk attempt, but something went wrong on that panel, and that something was Dwayne Wade. And that's not just me talking. That came from the interviews that happened after the dunk contest. And everyone, including the judges, were, were, were looking were looking in Dwayne Wade's direction. So with all that being said, and of course, the NBA did a phenomenal job with all of the tributes going out to Kobe Bryant. And not only Kobe, also David Stern, the former NBA commissioner. If it wasn't for him, the NBA probably won't even be where they are at today. So... Shout out to Chicago for hosting an awesome NBA All-Star Weekend. And with that being said, the 2020 season will resume back on Thursday. Your Houston Rockets will be taking on the Golden State Warriors inside the brand new Chase Arena in San Francisco at 9.30 p.m. This is the first time the Rockets will be facing off against the Warriors since that embarrassing Christmas Day loss. So I'm pretty sure the Rockets are going to put on a better show than they did in December. But speaking of the Rockets and moving forward, this is a playoff push that they are going through. As of right now, they are currently fifth in the Western Conference with a 34 and 20 record. With 28 games remaining, the Rockets have some work to do. It's not work as in the Memphis Grizzlies who are trying to hold on to the eight seed. And it's not work like the Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs, and New Orleans Pelicans who are trying to claw their way into the playoff picture. The work that they have to do is improve their standings heading into the postseason. And what I mean by that is everyone knows the playoffs are all about matchups. And if the playoffs started today, the Rockets will be facing off against the Utah Jazz in the first round of the seven-game series. And although I am extremely confident about their ability to beat Utah, I am not too confident in their next opponent, which would be, nine times out of ten, the Los Angeles Lakers. So, I am under the belief that in order for not only the Rockets, but for anyone to make the NBA Finals, they have to go through at least one of the Los Angeles teams. And while I do believe the Rockets can beat the Clippers in a seven-game series, and yes, I know this will be a close seven-game series, and I have it going the distance, I am still not too confident in the Rockets' ability to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. However, with 28 games remaining, the Rockets are in a really good position to improve their standings heading into the postseason. And in order to achieve this task, the Rockets need to find a way to move up to the third or second seed to avoid a second round matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. And I believe that will be the Rockets' best bet to at least make it to the Western Conference Finals because sitting in the third seed right now are the Los Angeles Clippers. And when you take into consideration that they will continue to low manage Kawhi Leonard and giving the health of Paul George, I do not believe the Clippers will have enough firepower to improve their standings to get to that second or even catch the Lakers and be the best team in the Western Conference. 
With that being said, there is a strong possibility that the Clippers can fall to four. If that happens, there is a way for the Rockets to move up to that third seed. I can see them leapfrogging the Jazz, getting to that third, possibly second seed, depending on what the Nuggets do. And in order for this to happen, the Rockets will have to end the season with a 21-7 and record. And although from the outside looking in, you might say the Rockets can possibly lose more than seven games, I personally don't see it. 13 of the remaining 28 games are against non-playoff caliber teams, while eight of those 13 teams are against the NBA's bottom feeders. Starting on Thursday, the Houston Rockets have two dates against the Golden State Warriors, two matchups against the New York Knicks, followed by dates between the Cavs, Wizards, Pistons and Bulls. The only seven teams I have the Rockets falling short against are games against the Jazz, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Trailblazers, and the Mavericks. And even out of those seven games, I can see a situation where the Rockets could at least squeeze out three to four of those victories. And the only reason why I'm giving them a loss to the Portland Trailblazers, because I do believe Portland will reach another level in the second half of the season, just so they can get to the playoffs as an eight seed. However, on the flip side, Portland can easily be one of the three possible four games that the Rockets could come out and win. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that the Rockets do drop all seven of these games. That will still put them at a record of 21-7, and seven, and I do believe that will be enough to leapfrog the Jazz and the Clippers as they get that third seed. Here is why it is so crucial for the Rockets to improve their standings in the Western Conference. Not only will they give them home court advantage, but their first-round matchup will be against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And although the Thunder did win the regular season 2-1 against the Rockets, I do not see a situation where they can upset the Rockets and take a first-round win. I am under the belief the Rockets will be able to handle the Thunder within five games. Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best point guards ever. I would say he will be able to possibly squeeze one. But here's the kicker. As they move on to the second round, not only would they avoid the Los Angeles Clippers, but they will also avoid the Los Angeles Lakers. That is the main reason why I want to see the Rockets move up to the third seed. Because I'm, I'm reminding you guys again, I do have faith that the Rockets can beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. But even if they do come out victorious in that series, then they will have to turn around nine times out of ten and face off against the Lakers. I do not want to see the Rockets play against both of the Los Angeles teams. Because let's say, for example, if they do end up beating both the Clippers and the Lakers and they make the NBA Finals, I don't think they will have enough juice in the tank in order to win the championship against a team like the Boston Celtics or nine times out of ten against the Milwaukee Bucks. If the Rockets can position themselves where they can only face off against one of those teams, I believe they have a better chance of not only getting to the Western Conference Finals, but they have a better chance of getting to the NBA Finals. Because think about it. In that second round, Clippers and Lakers, one of those teams are going to cancel each other out. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be the Clippers. I do believe the Clippers can beat the Lakers, but I do not believe 
the Clippers can't beat the Rockets. Even if it reverses and the Lakers end up victorious over the Clippers. Moving on, the Rockets are going to make it extremely tough for the Lakers to move on to the finals. And I know you guys are, are sitting there thinking to yourselves, hey, well, who are the Rockets going to face in the second round? <laughs> the Denver Nuggets. I do not see a situation where the Nuggets fall from the second seed all the way down to the fourth seed. I do believe they have that second seed in hand. The only problem I see with the Nuggets versus Rockets playoff series is that the Nuggets will have home court advantage. But once again, I believe in the Rockets' ability to single-handedly beat the Denver Nuggets in the second round of the series. I know I'm saying a lot, but I believe the Nuggets are on the same level as the Utah Jazz. They are a great regular season team, but come to the playoffs, they are not going to be the same team. And most of that is due to the inexperience that both of those teams have. So yes, while it might be kind of challenging to see them face off against Nikolai Jokic, the way the Rockets have been playing small ball and the way they made Anthony Davis, I know it was only one game, but the way they basically made Anthony Davis in the second half of that Los Angeles Lakers game that they won two weeks ago, but the way they made him end up being a non-factor in the second half, I do believe they can do that against Nikolai Jokic. If you force the Nuggets to take Nikolai off the court more often than not, the Rockets would definitely come away victorious in that seven-game series. Because when it comes to playing against the Los Angeles Lakers, at the end of the day, the Rockets will have to find some kind of way to match up with the Lakers' size. And it's a problem they should not have to worry about until they reach the Western Conference Finals. But a second-round series against the Denver Nuggets, it will be up to the Nuggets to match the intensity and the pace of the Rockets. I do not believe the Nuggets can keep up scoring the ball with Houston. So it's going to be extremely important for the Rockets to close out this season on a hot streak. They cannot afford to lose no more than seven games. There's an opportunity that they can end this season 24-4. and four. If they do that well, they might move up to the second seed, which means a second-round series against the Nuggets will be home court advantage for the Rockets, improving their chances even more. Once again, this is Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. And once again, if this is your first time running across this podcast, please go to your favorite podcast streaming services and please subscribe to Believe in the Rockets. And if you don't have one, you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when I'm not on the mic, that means I am somewhere typing, working on multiple articles to stay up to date on all the projects I have to offer, not only as a Houston Rockets reporter, but as a University of Houston beat writer reporting on the Krugers basketball team, as well as some work that I do on covering the Houston Texans. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24 for Goat Kobe. Thank you so much for tuning in to another installment of Believe in the Rockets. And as always, be blessed and have a great week. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.